another income report. But here's the deal. This is exciting because this is my first income report of 2021. So I'm breaking down January 2021's income report for y'all. And oh man, did I have some firsts. So let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Before we jump into January's income report, I want to spotlight one of our listeners and read the review. So this one's coming from Stacy OC1. Brandy has changed my life. Five stars. From the first podcast I listened to, I was hooked. I ended up binging all the episodes and I am amazed at how much valuable information is in each episode. She cuts right to the chase and gives you behind the scenes of her own business in an authentic and no fluff way. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you, Stacy OC1. I so appreciate the review, your kind words, and the fact that you love that I take you behind the scenes because that's exactly what I'm going to do today in this income report. So if you would love to share some love with me and the podcast, go ahead and leave an honest review if you haven't already. These reviews mean everything to us, and this is how we truly keep the podcast going. So just pop below and leave a review if you haven't already. It's truly appreciate it, and you could be our next spotlight listener. So let's jump in and chat about January. So I'll be honest with you. This month was a little bit different for me because I came in last year knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to hit the million dollar a year. And this year, I, as I explained last on our last income report, is this one's a little different. I don't have my next business goal is not necessarily tied to a time frame, And I'm okay with that, but it does put you in a different mindset. It does put you in like time to reflect. And we do have goals about how many people we want to impact, like 150 people and beta to biggie, helping them get a second stream of revenue. That one's so important to me. And I'm 100% tracking that, but also my impact goal with village impact. And so with these two goals, it's a little bit different than just chasing the revenue. And I will tell you, it has had me a little bit in a different mindset than when I was going after million. So with that being said, we did have a lot of things that happened in January. The big one was our virtual conference. This was my first time ever holding this type of one. So back in March of 2020, we were supposed to have a live event. And I was so excited. I had 50 Surf Sale Soar members joining me in St. Pete, Florida, and we were going to have an amazing two-day conference. And then COVID. So we had to pivot very quickly and go to a virtual one. The virtual one, I truly had no idea what I was doing and it was just for my members. So a little bit different. And this time it was very planned out. We opened it up to everyone and I learned a lot. Will I do one of these again? Probably. Will I definitely have more help? Absolutely. Will I do a better job of spotlighting other people? Absolutely. So here's the one thing that I think that we did really well. One, the feedback was incredible. Y'all love the conference. It was so good. Our speakers were incredible. 
We also amplified voices of people who aren't normally amplified, students inside the program. We also brought in some amazing keynote speakers like Tasha Booth and Jordan Gill and Amber Duggar, and really was able to spotlight them and show different ways to scale your business. So I'm super proud of the content that was put out. There was a lot of missing pieces. I felt like it ran so smoothly, but there's a lot of things that I would have done differently. So one of those things is we invited people to be affiliates to make the sales, to help with ticket sales. We weren't really making any money off these ticket sales because our affiliates got 50%. I'm pretty sure it was either 40 or 50% of the ticket. So like really after our fees and the team and everything, we weren't making money on the ticket sales. And that was never the point of this. But our affiliates didn't bring in the amount of sales that I thought they would. And this is not on them. This is on us as a team and really calculate. I also, in December, I was in Sedona for a week and then we got back and I was spending a lot of time with Riley, just soaking up her. So I didn't do a good job of running the ads. I think I only spent 2000 or something on ads and the ticket sales totally covered the ads. We didn't lose any money on the ads, which was incredible, but I could have done a better job. So we had 360 people registered, which I was super excited about. The goal was definitely 1500. So I think I underestimated ad spend for one, my time. And I wasn't fully committed to ticket sales in this time because I was celebrating Christmas and I was, you know, on vacation. And then I got back and I just wanted to spend time with Riley. So one thing I learned is if you're going to do one of these, one, you have to have a team. You just have to have more people to help. And we had great help, but we could have had more help and we could have been on top of the ball a little bit more, especially with ticket sales. And the content didn't fully line up with the end goal. So even though the content was incredible, it was so good. It didn't line up with the ultimate goal in the end. So when we do a virtual conference again, because I know I will, I love giving y'all amazing resources. I love giving you amazing content and actionable content, but I will definitely make the main focus and the topics related to what my end goal was. And so definitely doing that differently, I will create enough white space so I have enough time to really focus on the ticket sales and filling up the event. One thing that worked really, really well was besides the content is we had over a hundred people at every single session and all these sessions were live and we had breaks built in. So at the end of the day, yes, I was drained, but I wasn't the same drained as I was after the March event. So building in those breaks was definitely, definitely a good idea. And then also the second part of this was having it live and not being a pre-recorded summit where like people can come and go. I think a lot of people really enjoyed the live Q and A and we pretty much answered every single question. That was so important to me. The timing was just spot on. And so it went very, very smoothly in that aspect. So it's so funny. Sometimes we see things running and we see them going and we're like, dang, they have everything together. No tech issues. Everything's running, but you don't see behind the scenes where it was like, oh, we didn't hit our goals for ticket sales or, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I spend more time on the ads? Or like, oh man, these topics were not in alignment with the ultimate goal. We don't see all of that inside someone's business. So it's the iceberg effect where we see the top and it's hard to reverse engineer or compare ourselves. Even if you wanted to do this virtual conference, like I did, you could probably
probably figure out like, okay, this is how she structured the time, but you don't know how many emails and all the affiliate stuff that we had to put together and how many of the sales pages I was up late night creating. Like those are the things you don't see. And we always want to be like, oh, they can do it. Why can't I? Well, it's because you just can't see everything else that's going on behind. So as this conference, I always think that it was like, it was success. My definition of success for this was let's show up, let's add value and see what happens. That was truly, truly my mindset around this virtual conference because it was the first time we had ever done anything like this. And I didn't want to go in with these expectations of wanting people to join my program or anything like that. What I wanted was to see what would happen. And what happened is we learned a whole freaking lot and y'all got a whole freaking lot out of it. And so for me, that's a success. So what I want you to remember is let's determine what success looks like to us. And let's also make sure that what we're doing aligns with that. Yes, definitely the trainings and stuff. I could have done a better job of aligning with what my ultimate goal was for the conference, which was to have people join us inside of beta to Biggie. And so the topic next time will be very different. It will be more directed at people who are ready to create a membership or course that want to create that second revenue stream. It won't be necessarily all the ways to scale your service-based business. And I like that because we can dial in and I can showcase some of my students in Beta to Biggie more and their strengths like selling in the DMs and how to build an amazing sales funnel for low cost, how to run low cost ads, things like that, where it's so specific on, you know, now come and join us inside of Beta to Biggie. It makes more sense because not everyone there wanted to create a second revenue stream and that's okay. But if I'm going to spend all this time and effort to put on a virtual conference, I want to make sure that it aligns with our ultimate goal. So that was definitely a learning lesson. Also just wanting to spotlight more of our students. I loved our guest speakers. They were also amazing. But I also, if I have this platform, the students who are in any of my programs, I want to be able to spotlight them as much as possible, especially like we do on the podcast with our students. I would love to be able to do that with the virtual conference. So those were some lessons learned. Another funny one about the virtual conference is if you went to the page where you purchased your ticket, you probably saw that there was a lot of no refunds going to be given, like on the whole page. We wanted to make this as simple as possible for our team. We just had a no refund policy and it was literally in four different places in all caps on the first page. Then on the checkout page, you had to click a button that says you agree that there are no refunds. And then if you bought the recording right above the yes, I want to add this on, it said there will be absolutely no refunds stated everywhere. We even had someone in conversions for clients say, Brandy, can you say the no refund policy for the people in the back a little louder? And I was like, it will be inevitable that we get refund requests. And we had someone reach out after the conference was over and say that just really nasty to my team. And here's the thing. One of our core values is service. So everything we do in our business is out of service for our community, our students, anyone who works with us. That is so important to me. So we give top-notch customer service. And Janessa is so incredible at that. So very few times does she need to come to me with customer service things. If it's something where she's just like, Brittany, I can't do this. And so we had someone who Janessa was taking care of her and Janessa came to me and was like, hey, we have this email. She wants a refund. Can you go look? And I was like, this is so weird. Janessa knows how to respond to this. But she was being very, very nasty. Just mean emails and saying that we were calling her a liar and all this. And of course, I go back and read through all the emails and Janessa never called her a liar. She was trying to help her out, like figure out how to get in her login. 
skin and all of this stuff. And this woman was just being very nasty. She said that she was going to report us to the Better Bureau Association. She was going to leave a nasty review on my Facebook business page. She was going to report us to PayPal, all these things. So ugly. And we were just trying to help her get logged into her recording. So this is when I step in. So this is a good lesson. And one of the things is as you bring on a team, you want to be able to empower them to answer these customer service responses so you don't have to get drug in. Because I will tell you that this email upset me because she was saying that my team was saying that we were a liar and that we were unethical and all this stuff. And that goes against our core values. And I know that that was not directed at us. This is all about this person and them wanting to get their money back. But also that drains me. And so Janessa's good at handling these things and they don't drain her like they drain me. That stuff really irritates me. I'm an Enneagram eight. So I got to take a deep breath instead of sending an email that's like, F you, like you're not getting your money back. Don't tell my team that they're a liar. Cause I get like mama bear protective of my team. I was like, okay, I need to sit on this. And I responded and the response was like, here's all the, like, there's absolutely no refund policy out of integrity for, you know, our policies and our business. Integrity is a big part of that. I'm sorry, we cannot offer you a refund and showed her like where she can access it. We even offered to jump on a Zoom with her so that we could show her exactly how to log in. And it was just a very not nice. And so she never responded when I said, hey, this is Brandy. Here's all the ways we'll help you. We never got a response. And then I will tell you this, I went and looked her up on Facebook and I like blocked her from my page because I didn't want a bad review on my Facebook business page. I don't even know if people look at the Better Bureau. I also like we're in the middle of transitioning between Florida and North Carolina. So I don't even know if you can find me anywhere. But I was like, I don't even what is the Better Bureau? And then, of course, we get the payback refund dispute. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so I dealt with it. Janessa totally helped grab all of our emails and the refund policies and all this. And we will see what happens. I don't even know. It's still under review. But some people would say, well, Brini, why didn't you just give her a refund? And here's the deal. There are times that we go against our refund policies. We always want to be out of service, like I said. And here's the thing. This is what's hard, y'all. The easy thing would have been to just give her a refund, 100%. Just give her a refund instead of her like throwing a stink at everything. But also as business owners, what does that say about us? Because if we go against our refund policies, we go against the integrity of our business, then are we really CEOs? Because here's the deal. As service providers, if you came to me and said, my client wants a refund, this just came up in conversions for clients. My client wants a refund because they don't have their... together. And we've already been working together, but they want to cancel their contract early and they want a refund. The first question I would say is, what does your contract say? And you would tell me probably no refunds. And I would say, okay, then you take that to your client and show that there's no refunds. Keep the relationship and say, this is how it is though. There's no refunds. This is how I can support you till the end of your contract. But unfortunately due to our policies, there's no refunds. And that's what I would tell you. So there's a lot of times where I would love to take the easy route and just be like, I said, just send her back her like $97 and $19 because honestly, it wasn't about the money. But it's one of those things that if we do that, then how are we working our business out of integrity? But also, when does it become a point where this is a hobby compared to a business? 
And I see Brittany and company as a million dollar business. And so as a million dollar business, we're going to act like one. And one of those is holding up our refund policies and not letting bullies get their way. Because that's the other thing. When people have come to us and said, you know, during COVID, we had a lot of our students come to us and we gave them grace. We helped them the best we could with our policies and everything. But when someone comes and they're being a bully, I just am not going to back down from that because we're also creating situations where I'm sure I'm not the first person that she's done this to. And I don't want her to get away with this and then go do it into someone else because she knows she can. So PayPal may side with her favor, but I fought it. I did what I could. We stood to our terms and conditions. And now it is what it is. This is not something that's got a lot of my attention. If PayPal sides with her, like whatever, this is part of having a business. But what I want you to know is sometimes the easy way to solve our problems isn't the right way. So as we go into these tough situations with refunds or disputes or things like that, I want you to look at like, what does your contract say? What are your policies? What are your core values of your business? And when you make decisions, are we making them through the lens of our core values? And that's what we learned from this. So that was my long way of telling you that business lesson. So then the next thing that happened after the virtual conference is actually during the virtual conference. So as soon as I got done with my virtual conference each day, I'm in a mastermind with Stu McLaren. I had to pop right over to my mastermind. I joined in December. And so this was my first retreat and it was all virtual. And here's what I'll tell you. Stu did an amazing job. Everyone is freaking incredible in that group, but I miss in person. I miss in person so much. And as much as we keep saying, oh, we can do all this virtual, there's real power in human connection. Relationships aren't always, when you're in like a mastermind or something, the relationships don't happen during the training. They happen after hours and before hours. When you can build real relationships over meals, over walks, over that extra time together, rides to the airport. That's when relationships are built. And I'm going to be honest, I'm missing those. And I'm loving the fact that I see so many people opening up conferences again in 2021. Even if we have to wear masks or what at social distance, I am ready to see people and have that human connection. And I know some of you, many of you are feeling the same thing, but it was amazing. I got so many takeaways. And this is the important part about surrounding yourself with people. It doesn't have to be a high-end mastermind. It could be group coaching. It could be a membership. Y'all hear how many relationships are formed inside Serve Scale Soar. That is not a high-paid mastermind, but they're built and it's incredible. So how can you get online or once we can in person with more people to share your experiences with, to share what you're going through, to actually learn from and hold each other accountable? There's power in relationships. And you'll hear me say all the time, relationships over revenue, because when you build relationships, revenue will come. And so I want you to think, am I plugging into a community? Am I getting connected with people? And it may be that your plugging in is one-on-one. I am a very, I want to go deep with a few people. I'm not someone who wants to like necessarily be friends with everyone. I want to be invited to the party, but I don't necessarily really want to go to the party. And so I love building really deep relationships with people. And that may not be your style. You may be someone who like, I like to be friends with everyone everyone. And I like to have a lot of friends and that's okay. Or you may be someone who's like, I just want to feel connected, but I don't necessarily need to be communicating. And that's okay. We have people in Serve Scale Soar who love to show up in the Facebook group and they're not participating, but they love to see what's going on. They love to feel that community connected to them. So what is your style? But whatever it is, you need to connect in some way. 
Okay. So then we lost a member of our team. Her contract was up and we decided to go different ways, not because of any bad situations. It was just the end of the contract. And sometimes you have people that come into your business for a little bit and then it's time to leave. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just why we have contracts. And we've so adored having this team member with us. And we're so sad that she's gone. And this really changed the dynamic. We went from a team of four to a team of three. And we have a lot going on. So I have been definitely working on Fridays, which it was not the goal, but that's okay. Because I know this is a short-term thing. And before we bring on anyone, I'm really going through the process of deciding like who's the next right fit. And how many people should we hire? at once? Should they be local? Should they be all over the country? Like, what does this look like? And having long conversations with my bookkeeper and my accountant to know what exactly the right steps are. I'm big on hiring slow and making sure things are in place before you hire. So it's been a little crazy, but I know that that means once we do bring on the right people, that it is going to be so much easier because we're taking the time now. So we will be hiring soon, but probably for employees instead of contractors that may change, but just how the business has grown. We're at a different point where I need people that are more full-time than part-time and because of some federal laws and stuff like that. So we will hopefully be growing our team soon. Bringing on an employee, I have all kinds of emotions about. It sounds so permanent. With a contractor, it's like we have a contract, one of the contracts up. We can part ways. We can stay. I love to support contractors, of course, because y'all are my people. Employees feel like, oh man, you're with me. And there's laws I got to look up. And speaking of laws, in January, we needed to switch my LLC over to North Carolina and I totally effed it up. Like, bad. So that's a whole nother story for another day. But just know, y'all, filling out an LLC is not hard, but somehow I messed it up because they asked me the question. Legal questions are so confusing. They asked me a question, is this business established in another state? And well, yeah, duh, it's established in Florida, but you're not supposed to put that. You're supposed to put no because you're creating a new one. And I was like, ah, dang it. That sucks. Totally messed this up. And so now we're like in this limbo waiting. So. Here goes to show you that someone who went to law school, who has been in business, million dollar business, still can't fill out her own LLC forms. So if you've struggled, if you make mishaps, know that you're not alone. My husband was like, we paid a lot of money for you to go to law school for you not to be able to apply for your LLC. And I was like, they don't teach you this stuff in law school. Okay, so then the last thing before we jump in numbers is that we have been planning for the launch schedule for 2021. And everyone's been asking like, when's this program open up? And I've been like, soon it's coming. And we haven't had a great answer because I am the head of marketing in the company. I do all the marketing. I do all the other stuff. And I want to make sure I have enough white space. So we were deciding when we were going to launch conversions for clients and it is coming. It will launch in March. So we'll have our free ad manager training coming up. So actually, I think you can go to conversionsforclients.com and go on and get registered or confidentadmanager.com. As this podcast, I think today is the day that we actually open it up. So if you've been wanting to become an ad manager, go to confidentadmanager.com and you can go on and register for our free training where we teach you how to land clients, even if you don't have any experience. It's an amazing training. It goes on for 14 days, I think. And then we'll open up the doors at the end to conversions for clients. But it's a great training go on and get registered. We have a pop-up group, all that fun stuff. And then Serve Scale Soar, we're still working on it. And this is what I want y'all to know, guys. I don't have everything together. I'm figuring it out as I go. So just know that if you're figuring it out as you go, you're not alone. And it's not because you're a newbie or anything like that. Sometimes we just got to figure things out as we go. And that's what we're doing. 
So let's talk numbers. This year, I told you I'm not tracking revenue generated. I'm tracking actual revenue, the money in the bank. So these are the numbers we're talking about. So January, we were right under 80,000. It was 79,966. So right under 80,000, 83,000 is million. So right there at million. So that's exciting. Beta to Biggie brought in 42,750. Serve Scale Soar brought in 16,651. Conversions for clients brought in 14,263. The conference brought in 2,700. And that's just from ticket sales and like the upsells. Delighted with Dubsado, which I don't promote through ads, it's just organic, was $470. My affiliate income was way lower than normal this month, and it was 634. And services were 2,000. As I was looking at this, I was like, oh, this is fun. I have seven streams of income. Something I'm going to encourage you all year is where are your streams of income? So maybe it's services. Do you have affiliate income? So we'll link that up in the show notes is our episode on how to get affiliate income. And as I was looking at this, all of our affiliate income comes from software. And we made a decision this year not to really promote any other programs. Like we have a list of preferred programs. If someone lets us know like, hey, like I want to take this, I want to take that. We'll like send them our affiliate links, but we decided we're not going to openly promote anyone's programs this year. We just want to focus on our own and systems like that and making sure that everyone we promote is in alignment with our beliefs and our values and our morals. So we just thought we're going to promote software. So pretty much all of this was from Kajabi, like a big chunk of it. We also have things like ConvertKit that were in there, some other software that we get paid, ClickFunnels that I've been getting paid since I was a service provider. And it's been two years when this these two people signed up for ClickFunnels and I still get paid every single month, which is really nice. So seven streams of income. And so we have a group coaching program, Beta to Biggie. It's like a course group coaching program, Surf Scales or a membership. CFC Conversions for Clients is a course. The Delighted with Dubsado is an SLO funnel, so a self-liquidating offer. So it's a low ticket affiliate and services. Do I think you need all seven right now? No. (laughs) I would say, how can we have two to three? What happens if you lose all your services tomorrow? Where's your business? And so I'm so grateful that, you know, we have affiliate income, which I truly believe is the most passive income. Like affiliate revenue is the most passive revenue. Then services, which is me. And then we have our scalable offers, which is conversions for clients, serve scale store and beta to biggie. So here's what I want you to think about. You know, we have CFC, which is a course and people are on payment plans. What if you had an extra $5,000 coming in each and every single month? What if you had an extra $2,000 a month coming in each and every single month? Or maybe $14,263 each month? What would your business look like? What would your life look like? And if you lost all your clients tomorrow, would you still be okay? It's just something to think about. I don't think each and every single one of you need to go out and create a course or membership if you're not ready, but I want you to be thinking about the big picture of your business. And this really has become an issue that's come to my heart after COVID and we're still on it. So how can we diversify our income and our business so we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket? The same thing with course creators. I saw a lot of course creators this year who all their money is in one basket. Maybe if they had one-on-one services, they could have scaled quicker or they would have been more secure in their business, or maybe if they were offering affiliate. So this isn't just about service providers going out and creating a course. It's how can we create a business that is recession-proof, that's COVID-proof, 
that's pandemic proof, that is you getting sick proof, I want us to all feel really safe and secure in our business. And so I think that the best way to do that is by having multiple streams of revenue. So just something to think about. And as I was looking at mine, I was like seven streams. I'm super happy with that. I do not want to add on any more. I like this. I think this makes me feel good. Okay. So that was 79,966. Our target, you know, and my big focus this year is running at at least 50% profitability. Really our goal is to hit a million dollars in profit for the year. And we'll see how that goes. But once again, I told you I'm not putting a time frame on this because to go from one to 2 million, that's a big jump, especially when we're in a growing phase of auditing our systems, really refining beta to biggie hiring, like all of this stuff's going to happen. So I don't know if a million dollar profit will happen this year, but I still want to be tracking it very, very closely. So our expenses were a total of 28,898. And then we had a big old tax bill because we had to pay our quarterly taxes, which was 14,000, bringing us up to 42,898, which means we were running at a profitability of 47%. Last month on a tax month, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm totally okay with 47% profitability when we're looking at a tax month. So the cost of services was mostly affiliate. So this is anytime we send gifts or we have refunds or, you know, we pay our affiliates. This is called cost of services. It was 3,658. Like I said, most of that came from paying out our affiliates payroll. This includes my W-2 salary, um, does not include owner draws, but it does include my payroll and all my contractors, which was 13,335. Our marketing was 3,813. This was mostly Facebook ads. Software, 2,195. It was a little bit higher than normal, but that's okay because we had to invest in some software. So Zoom was higher than normal because we ran the virtual conference. Canva, our year was up, so we paid for the year in full. And then there was two softwares I invested in and paid for the year. And that was this really cool calculator. It's called Outgrow. And I negotiated with them to get us a killer deal. But for beta to Biggie, I am in the process of creating 10 calculators for them so they can decide on how many course sales they need to hit their revenue goals. We also did their launch calculators. We did all these debrief calculators. So all these different calculators. So if math is not their strong point, they don't have to worry about it. I got calculator for that. So I'm excited about that. I totally geeked out. And then we just needed to invest in one called paper forms, which is just a way for us to be able to track our applications. And that's what you fill out. It's just more streamlined than the Airtable ones. We were having problems with redirect issues. So we fixed that with paper forms. So I went on and paid for the year. So software was up this month. And then of course we had $14,000 in taxes. Um, education was 3,335. So y'all know I love education. And then merchant fees was 2,562. Always excited to see that number grows because that means that we are bringing in more money into the business. So that is the breakdown. We ran at 47% profitability, had a big tax bill to pay and almost an $80,000 month. So good month, excited about it. And I cannot wait to share with y'all everything going on in February. But as you listen to this, remember, if you are interested in becoming an ad manager, this is the only time I thought I was going to do this training twice because I did it twice last year. But this is the only time this year that conversions for clients will open up. So if you want to become an ad manager, head to confidentadmanager.com or conversionsforclients.com and join us for our free Confident Ad Manager training. It goes on for about 14 days. We have a pop-up group. I'm going to teach you how to get clients, even if you don't have any experience. At the end of that, Conversions for Clients will open its door 
for the only time this year. So amazing things are coming up. Excited about that. I love this training, the Confident Ad Manager training, teaching you how to get clients, even if you don't have experience as an ad manager. And then of course, we'll be opening the doors. So if that is up your alley and you're like, oh my gosh, Brandy, this is the only time you're opening it, head to confidentadmanager.com and register today for our free training. And I will see you in the pop-up group. And y'all, until next time, go out, serve your clients, scale your business, and soar into the six-figure year you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.